Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Send News, the inside gaming podcast where we talk all about video game news. My name is Brian. Here's the rest of the gang. It's me, Connor, and here's the rest of the rest of the gang. Didn't expect you to say that. I'm Alana, and there's just one left. (laughs) Of course, it's me. I'm here, finally. Uh, I think I only missed two episodes, but I'm here now, So, and I know you guys haven't really done this before, so if you guys want to just step it up. I made a promise that this would be our best episode ever because I'm here, so if you guys could just really make me look good. And you 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 introduced yourself as me. Who are oh, they don't need to know because they already know. They know it's got it. Jesus, yeah. yes. No, oh, it's boy. Evan. That was <laughs> a that was a long wind up, Evan. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Very uh, worth it though. <laughs> I'm here. Guys, right. we've had a newsy week. Um a lot of a lot of stuff. I, I thought the most interesting thing was Amazon's Crucible. Uh the free-to-play multiplayer hero shooter it was it's not the first game out of amazon's gaming studios but it's one of the most visible it's been a complete disaster they had to note today that they were taking it back into beta which really doesn't happen uh but it's I, i guess they're just trying to save it from being a complete disaster because the player base dwindled uh what what do you guys think about this this seems like another example of like I don't know. After Google Stadia, just the the big tech guys can't get gaming right. Here's the thing. I played it. We did a a gameplay for Funhouse. The issue with this game is not that it's broken. Like, from what we played, which I think was a bit over an hour, um, of realizing it was a MOBA, actually, and being like, oh, fuck, we didn't realize we were playing a MOBA. Oh, no, (laughs) we aren't prepared for this at all. Um it's not that the game's broken. It functions just fine. Like as we were playing three matches, you know, we, we got better and better every time again, took a while to figure out that it is in fact a MOBA and not a hero shooter. The issue is that they didn't advertise it. I didn't see this game advertised anywhere at all ever. So yeah, no one's playing it because no one's heard of it. And That's you being Amazon isn't good enough. Yeah. yeah I didn't not- know it was coming out even like, and I feel like I pay attention. I can't believe they unreleased the game. Like has that happened before? I mean, I guess maybe Anthem could have benefited, Probably. but I, I'm sure I mean, it has, but this this seems very uh, for a game of this size. I I can't think of another example. I mean, what was that Final Fantasy? Was it fourteen? Uh, yeah, yeah, but 14. I mean, they released it, released it, and that's probably the closest. And it was such a disaster. They said we're going to pull it down, remake it, and it, I think a year later or whatever, a year or two, they came back and and they pulled it off. It was much better. So, but, but that's kind of the exception more than the rule. Right. It just seems yeah. so strange to me to own Twitch and not fully advertise, advertise on Twitch. Yeah. You're right. right. And I keep wondering how different those departments are. And if that's the change going forward, like them unreleasing it is to be fair. I feel like this week is the most I've heard anyone talk about this game. So people notice that. Yeah. Um, but like taking it, like I don't, I don't know if maybe other people like had a bunch of bugs when playing it. But even when I look at this uh, Kotaku article that I believe we sourced on the daily, it says the post-release beta comes on the heels of a rocky launch. But even that doesn't seem to list bugs as the issue. It lists just an abysmal player base. Um, it does, it does say that they, from a technical standpoint, it seems that Crucible's biggest problem 
is with matchmaking. Players are having to wait a long time to find matches. And I think we sort of did when we played, but even that isn't necessarily a technical issue. It's there's no one fucking playing it. But it did, right. get, it did get bad reviews on Metacritic. I think it has a six, did it? it has a 56. So I, Look, I it's think... not like I thought it was good. It's just that I didn't <laughs> think it was broken. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's I, not, the, the 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 summary that seemed to bubble up was that it, it's not bad, but it's just there's there's so many more games in this space that you can play. Yeah, I just I don't I can't think of a first person MOBA that's done well in that way. That's that that's MOBA that hard with creeps and, and towers and, and everything like that. Every single one of them is kind of crash and burn. So it's a MOBA, not a hero shooter, because I, I well it. So I think they call it a hero shooter, yeah. but yeah, it's a MOBA. Like in yeah. the way that it plays in terms of lanes and capturing points, like it is a fucking MOBA. Okay. And I think maybe that's part of the problem Yeah, is they didn't advertise it as a MOBA. So right. you, you could watch it in real time. I think we decided uh, for Funhouse we're only going to release that video on RT because it is us being frustrated at figuring out that something <laughs> is in fact a MOBA and then you just getting the destroyed. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. We were like, we thought it was a hero shooter as well, I think. And we were like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll play a hero shooter. They're generally pretty fun. Like if it's an Overwatch type, we'll get into it. But then it's a fucking MOBA and we're like, that, that seems like a very big company move to make to me, which is we're going to vastly um, not undersell, I guess misrepresent the identity of this game in hopes that people who trip into it looking for something else are okay with it. I mean, it's like yeah. what Warner Brothers did with uh, Suicide Squad, where they were like, mm. we're just going to make this, we shot it as like this dark movie. And then they were like, well, actually, people like that fun trailer. So we're going to make it kind of just like that. And it's like co- totally goes against tonally and, and story-wise mm-hmm. and character-wise. I don't know. I didn't see Suicide Squad. I don't fucking but care about also Suicide Squad. <laughs> just virtually... No game genre that is worse to do a bait and switch with than a MOBA. Because (laughs) A, MOBAs exist in this weird space where basically the established ones seem to be the only ones that can exist, which is kind of a bummer. There's very much a Dota League monopoly. Smite made some waves, but still even then, it's like new MOBAs just can't really compete. But it's also, to get into a MOBA, you have to put in, like I've, I've put like 500 hours into Dota and I'm still bad. So it's a really big investment. So you can't bait and switch someone into getting into a MOBA because they're going to be like, oh, I, I recognize what this is. Oh, this is going to take me 100 hours to get good at. Yeah, Thanks. like you said, even if you do know what you're getting into, there's so much to learn in those style mm-hmm. of games. And um, and especially new games have a, have a rocky launch. Like even when League of Legends first launched, people loved it, but it, it was kind of a mess too, like in terms of balance and them trying to figure out everything. And those are games that, that they develop over time, right? And you, you don't have that kind of runway. It's almost like they developed this game at the same time as Paragon, or I guess it would have to be <laughs> a little bit after. And they're just like, oh, uh-oh, like what do we do? Because mm-hmm. Paragon just totally sank. Right. And then also there's two other games that I can't Lawbreakers, even think of. Lawbreakers, Battleborn. Oh, yep. Um, yep. Yeah. It reminds yeah, me a little bit of beta. the... It reminds me a little bit of the post-World of Warcraft gold rush in MMOs. Mm. Just, oh, we're going to yeah. make the, the WoW killer. And no one ever did. And it, it was almost the Crucible's impossible way too late. Yeah. And even on the way other side. too late for MOBAs. Yeah. How long do you think they've been <laughs> developing it? Because why is it always like for the past... However many years, it's always been like, we're going to do we're going to move off the hero shooter vibe and not <laughs> like the field. The field is littered with bodies right, <laughs> that, right, have, right. that have run up against the ramparts and been pushed back down and had oil poured on them and shot through with arrows. Mm. And it's just like, what? You have so <laughs> many resources, Amazon. You could have gone My in so many directions. Guess 
is that what happened here, uh, this sort of happened to me like a little bit while I was working at IGN, is that a particular executive was like, League of Legends, huh? Look yep. at Riot. Yep. Have yeah, you seen yeah, that? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Fucking make that. Make that. And it, we're Amazon. It'll be fine. What are you, who are you kidding? And then it's not. Because um, again, I don't feel like the development team that worked on this did a bad job. Like it's, I, I didn't, I didn't want to play it, but it's not like I thought it was a like a bad game in, sure. in the traditional sense of bad video game. It's not like they didn't try. It's quite pretty. Um, there, <laughs> there are a lot of like put into it. <laughs> it's very pretty, and there are a lot of uh, there, like uh, you know throughout time playing. I like I definitely found a character that I really liked that I found really fun with some cool and interesting abilities. Like they, the effort is certainly there, and I'm not going to discredit that development team. It's the idea that I think is massively lacking and that does feel like it was probably the direction of someone who doesn't necessarily understand so like with ign that happened with um a certain executive while i was on the fix evan i don't know if you were part of this too being like uh we need you to um cover overwatch league in the daily fix and i was like <laughs> i think that's a bad idea because we're a day late uh and publish it like 4 p.m and everyone who cares about the Overwatch League will have already gotten the Overwatch League from the Overwatch League. Right. Uh, so I think that the, it makes absolutely no sense for us to do this. And he was like, but the Overwatch League is big. So we're going to cover it in the Daily Fix. We were like, okay. And then that's, did it for about two weeks and nobody cared. That's just terribly misguided, just even in terms of esports, because I think when Overwatch League was becoming a thing, I was still working at Yahoo for, for specifically just esports content. And we were like, we don't know if this thing is going to do numbers at all. And Blizzard kind of just bought their way into the space with like the stadiums and, and the teams and the franchising and all that stuff. Like, no, I think some of us were even still surprised that it even worked as well as it did. Mm -hmm. And even in esports, it's like maybe a fourth tier esport, third tier esport compared to League of Legends and Dota and CSGO. Um, so yeah, it, it, and talk about Connor, you're talking about the, the field is littered with bodies. There's only like two hero shooters, even if it was less of a MOBA and more of a hero shooter, you've just got Overwatch and I guess kind of now Valorant and, uh, Apex Legends, I guess, right? Like Team Fortress still counts. Sort of. Yeah. But yeah, like I wonder, yeah. How many people are playing that? Like how many people are streaming that on Twitch? Right. It's true. It's kind of like the, the the gamer consciousness. We kind of look at Twitch sometimes, the front page, and you kind of see what games people are playing. But mm -hmm. yeah, to, to go all in on, on esports content, especially at a place like IGN. Like I did, a, I think I did an eight series episode on GameSpot just for League of Legends. And GameSpot is a huge platform. And it's just like that esports content just doesn't generally mix with like traditional games content for some reason. And no, I think and, it's, and it's something that I think like, you know, talking to journalists about it, it's something that they want to figure out how to cover better and that there is opportunity for that for sure. But just reporting what happened in the OWL and the fix didn't make any sense and, yeah. and it was a parallel to this in that it was an exec seeing the big thing and yeah. thinking that, yeah. well, mm -hmm. if we talk about the big thing, right. success. Right, yeah. <laughs> but those things constantly. are so specialized that uh, covering it from 2,000 feet up doesn't work for people who are really into that shit. Especially and not in just a news reporting the stats. No, right. It right. No, yeah, it's, no, it's 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 so it exists almost in parallel to gaming a lot because the people I do know that are into esports are very into it. Myself not being into it, I don't seek those things out, and those stories don't don't really interest me. Not to say that they're not interesting, but you can't really force that kind of thing. And also, Overwatch League and some and the esports things, they have a really good handle on spreading their own content. Like, right, uh, right. Friends of mine are on the like a few friends of mine are on the social team uh, who I worked with at Machinima, and like they do a great job. They don't they're need so an good. outlet so uh, covering them. Yeah, they're really they're really terrific because it's it's not just about games. It's not just about the stadiums and the arenas and the matchups. 
so much of the equation is content creation and they understand that. And they have their own like specific message boards and whatever to go to, to like get into this on a granular level that you will never be able to get into on like a larger media outlet. Like it's no press have to like figure out different ways to cover it, but yeah, to bring it back to crucible, that's what I feel like probably happened is that some exec was like, do that. And they were like, okay. Right. But I still don't know why they didn't market it. I didn't see this game advertised. No, I didn't either. No. Do you think they were, I don't know, waiting till it was out of beta or was it out? out? But it did. No, it came out. It of was beta. out. Yeah, it came <laughs> out. And and like oh. when Apex Legends came out, I feel like Apex did it kind of the right way. They paid Ninja. They paid a bunch of big streamers <laughs> mm-hmm. to play it for yeah. a few days and it got on the radar and people were like, holy shit, 50 million people played this or whatever in the first day. Like it, it at least made a splash like they wanted it to. Yeah, this didn't do any of that. Is also, Fortnite out yet? Isn't Fortnite no, still yeah, in beta? I, I don't Fortnite's, think Fortnite's... Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're like... It's version out? Season 2 or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's that's a done thing. I think well, they never really released long the original time one. It was yeah. in beta. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was just called beta. Maybe up until Chapter 2, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess the base game is just never going to come out, right? The, I think it's... Yeah. Something Tonight is supposed <laughs> to come out in 2018. Fortnite's still in beta. There, I think in 2019, still on that. this is the last... Save the world or whatever. Wait, Fortnite, like the Battle Royale mode, is still oh. in beta? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, no, again, I don't know if it no. actually is, it's, but it was for a really it, long time. Mm-hmm. It said there was going to be an official release at some point, and then they just kind of realized, like, Who oh, cares? beta for us just means constantly adding content, which yeah. is just games as a service. So they maybe yeah. just scrubbed the website a little bit. I wonder if Crucible, if at any point they were like, this is going to be our esports machine. Like, yes. is that oh, why they went yeah. MOBA? Because, like, Apex, which you just brought up, I think, Brian, um, was like, I mean, it was all about the game. I mean, that's how it felt to me as a player and someone who loved Respawn and Titanfall. Uh, it felt good to play. Like, I didn't, there was no lofty goal that I was concerned about as a player with esports. But I wonder if that was part of the marketing plan for Crucible and then people didn't take to it. And I, I don't it's know. Such a hard gamut to, to, there's like basically three pillars of what makes a good esport, in my opinion. And I think it's like, first off, you have to have a good game that has like a, a fun shallow end and a, like a really deep, deep end. So yeah. people can learn the game and get into it really fast. But then yeah, also people who spend tens and tens and thousands of hours playing it are still finding new things later on. Uh, secondly, it has to be fun to watch, right? And that's like a thing that Overwatch battled uh, for a while. And then thirdly, you have to find a way to sustain that that development cycle of updates and patches. So w- whether that's like microtransactions or skins and stuff like that, like you need all of those three things to kind of work in tandem and it's like trying to catch lightning in a bottle you know like these games that have done it have been around for so long and have iterated so many times so whenever a new game comes out with like that mantra of trying to become an esport usually is just setting itself up to fail because there just needs to be so much so much there it's Um, it's so competitive now too i googled it okay let's hear it this is an article from the verge two days ago so i guess it wasn't beta it's that fortnite is still in early access (laughs) <laughs> article from two days ago Fortnite finally leaves early access as epic slows down save the world development so it sounds like at some point very soon it is finally going to be officially launching oh my and, god i know <laughs> it's I was, nuts is that just we for have really high world, hopes for Fortnite. we think it's really yeah, gonna do pretty well once out. we release it <laughs> I've heard a lot. yeah yeah i always forget uh, that Fortnite was supposed to be a minecraft clone like remember 
that first yes, trailer. What, yeah. what Save the World actually yeah. is. Yeah. Yes. yeah. All right, Nuts. let's move on to the Crisis remake. Uh, we uh, did a video about this, but uh, it was supposed that we were supposed to get the uh, official trailer for it this week and an announcement of when the game was going to release. And it leaked a few days early, and we saw the official trailer, and it looked horrible. Or, or it, it, it did not look like a crisis game, which is meaning to say a, a very graphically impressive game. There was a backlash to it. The crisis team obviously saw that and then posted on Twitter. Yeah, we're going to delay it a few weeks. We need to polish some things, but geez, this was, I don't know if this was just a bad port or, or just hastily done, but I looked at the leak trailer. It did look not impressive in the slightest. I really enjoyed Patrick's uh, joke title for that episode of the Daily, which was Crisis Can't Run Crisis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's pretty good. Uh, it's so sad to see a, uh, just like this pinnacle of gaming, yeah. of PC gaming, like technical prowess and elitism just be reduced to like a low resolution r pile of rubble. Oh. I don't think it looks that bad. And that like, <laughs> like yeah, it's bad uh, when compared to Crisis. It's so weird <laughs> that this is how this trailer turned out. But I feel like there are other games that I've played this year that look the same as this. So like, it's not like I think it's the worst looking game ever. But yes, when compared to Crisis, which is the whole point, how? How <laughs> is this what you made? <laughs> yeah, did y'all not watch this trailer before you put it out? How did, the, how did this not trip alarm bells at the... At the uh, studio. I, I don't know. And, and they, you know, in the announcement, they made all this. Oh, it's going to have improved. It's going to be even better. It's going to, you know, have have this and that. And the lighting's going to be better and the particle effects. And, and then you see the trailer. It doesn't even really look as good as the original. Crisis. Has <laughs> like, anyone made a side by side yet? Oh, uh, I'm sure someone. I haven't will. seen it. Why is the trailer still up? I feel like those things are usually. Scrolling. I know. I know. They didn't I get DMCA. It is crazy. I appreciate I that they didn't. But yeah, it's maybe they're like, confident that that they can fix it. I don't it know. looks like um, it looks like Just Cause with a texture pack on it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it I, I, see any side by side trailer. My question is, um, do you think that this is an issue? And this may 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 wear. This may very well be the case. That it, is it an issue of the legacy of Crisis? Like just completely demolishing any crisis thing after because even crisis two and three weren't really held to that same standard that yeah. that first crisis game was it just had such a such a run of being like can your pc run crisis yes i yeah. i think so it's it's a meme just as much as it is a game at this point but they should have known that and and that that goes into the whole package when you're going to remake crisis and and, and so I just feel like all of this was eminently foreseeable. And if you're not going to come heavy with your, your remake, then then just don't do it. I, I, I know nothing about game development. I don't know how they fix this in a couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem like possible. they forgot their own brand. No, this isn't a matter yeah. of shaders. This is right. Right. A bit more complicated than that. Um, but it could be a bad port and that I don't know how porting works exactly, but maybe if, if it's something that it, they, attempt differently or something i have no idea then it turns out better i don't know i don't know I don't it's know. this is actually 
it's funny that this comes at the time it does because I was always aware of Crisis as the console breaking super game right, and right. Uh, as I wasn't a PC gamer and it kind of existed on another plane so it was almost just this like vague shapeless software that existed off on the yeah, horizon yeah. and it wasn't until actually just two weeks ago that I was like oh yeah that game was thrown around as a meme all the time what did it actually look like and I watched like a cinematic trailer from one of the crises and I was like <laughs> This looks this looks pretty good, uh, and now to see this so close to my first actual glimpse of Crisis, mm. it it really does this does really pale in. I know the other one's a cinematic trailer, but this one has cinematic aspects too, which also don't look good. Yeah, and it it, it people are blaming Saber Interactive because they're helping the Switch. Uh, they're co-developing the Switch version. They also did the Switch port of Witcher Three, which. It, it was cool, I guess, that they got Witcher 3 on the Switch, but it does not look great. So I, I don't, you know, I, there's just a lot of uh, a kind of internet dunking going on right now. And that's certainly why they came out and were like, look, all right, that's fine. We want to make you happy. We're going to pull it back. I, I don't th I think it's going to take longer than the few weeks that they said it would. It seems like such a weird delay, but like maybe it's a budget thing where they can't budget for any more than a couple of weeks. But I don't maybe, know that this yeah. would have sold that well anyway. So yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If I were an employee there, I would feel like I would see that statement and be like, weeks? What? Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't they talk to anybody? Really? Weeks? That's it? Yeah. And then you submit your resignation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you update your LinkedIn. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, NBA 2K21, that game we're all very excited about. Um, it did make some news, though, when it came out that it is going to be $10 more expensive on the Xbox Series X and PS5. So it's going to retail for $70 instead of the kind of standard 60 bucks. But the larger point, of course, is does this mean that next gen games are going to cost $70? Are they jacking up the price? Um, I on, for some games, I can see that for for other games. I absolutely cannot. It, but it it is interesting if that's going to be the new bar $70 in the next generation. I think this is just a marketing tactic. Uh, it doesn't make <laughs> any logical sense that so like I just had a conversation with someone about this value when it comes to virtually the price of anything and this is like I, I studied marketing as part of my journalism degree because like half of journalism in, in this kind of field is cutting through marketing right so value is $60 is basically an arbitrary number it doesn't mean anything there can be a game that takes eight years to make and a game that takes three years to make and you can sell them for the same price they don't it's not the cost doesn't add up $60 being what we pay for a video game is not based on any math. It's just right. the number right. that they chose and that people tend to want to buy games at. In Australia, right. it was a hundred dollars for the most part. Um, $70. If I'm going on, you know, the, the, the marketing uh, subject that I took is just so that people recognize when they see that box, that version is better and I should buy that one. It doesn't mean oh, that the it old, should. yeah, the old uh, uh, fallacy. If it costs more, it must be better. Absolutely, yeah. mm -hmm. I don't think it actually means anything, or it costs them an extra ten dollars per unit to no. make. No. It is literally just marketing manipulation tactic of that one's ten dollars more. It's the better version. We should. Aren't buy people that. going to be more upset when the game, like, because sports games tend to be iterative in that way, and if they don't nail the feature set, I just feel like 
those games are usually criticized also for kind of being samey and, and people just buy into them because they want the new roster updates and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's still a thing. It's I, been a while since I played a sports game. I think so. But aren't I people just going to be more upset when they paid $70 for a game that isn't as good as the one they liked from like three years ago or two years ago? Hey, yeah. as long as they buy it, doesn't matter if they're upset. Yeah. I, we don't care. Buy I mean, the games. Right. It does, it does seem like, uh, we were talking about this a little bit off air, but it does seem like in many ways like a totally separate um audience uh, and, and in, because it is in a lot of in a lot of ways yeah. but mm-hmm. it's it's like the um just how blatant the ultimate team stuff in fifa is with mm-hmm. like the you're paying for a better team it's like in another game i mean my assumption is that there would be a lot more backlash would it amount to anything i don't know but i mean you're saying I would sports say that's, games fans have shown a willingness to to pony up, and yes, <laughs> I mean well, like I feel Ultimate like Team specifically is a super interesting one because I think it's actually the way that Ultimate Team came out that gives it the free pass, mm-hmm. in that it was originally a free like standalone thing that accompanied FIFA, and then they ended up putting it into the game itself. But it took a really long time, so because it wasn't just a suddenly there's microtransactions in your game and it was done a lot more slowly than that. Uh, right. I think people like were okay with Ultimate Team, but Ultimate Team is also a really interesting one and in that we know how much money it makes. FIFA itself is basically procedurally generated. Every match is basically procedurally generated. So it's not like you're making, uh, you, sure, you could still play 100 hours, but it's not 100 scripted hours. FIFA is not uh, as time-consuming in that regard to develop as a Naughty Dog game. Like, I feel like it would make perfect sense uh, and they would still recoup all of their costs if FIFA were free and Ultimate Team still existed. But no one's asking them to do that because it hasn't been that way. Right, why not? Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? Kind of the... uh, They make so much goddamn money. You you boil the frog from cold. You don't drop it in the pot. (laughs) (laughs) This does feel like a little bit of a trial balloon to me uh, of just well will you buy this will this affect sales at all what if we jacked it up you know by 10 bucks how will this you know and and we'll do some research on it see how it does and if it if it if people pay for it then uh, other people Man, will take notice i don't know i would be so bummed if i was because you know you've already got these all these players on the hook for 60 bucks a year like they they know that they're kind of indebted to this and I, I would feel trapped because I, that's the game I would want to play. You know, it's same thing with like a fighting game or something too. It's just like I'm gonna always buy the newest version because I want to to have all the updates and everything. So I'd be really pissed if I had to pay an extra ten dollars than normal, and there isn't really a good justification for it. Which I they I mean that's yet to be proven, right? If they prove it and it works, okay, and and those players are happy, it's fine. But then yeah, the the idea of the rest of the industry looking to this to to maybe boost up all of the costs of of gaming in general, like. I get it. We maybe that's been a long time coming, and and I'm down to so. like support developers and stuff. But yeah, with I think if they do this wrong, it could be bad for everyone, right? That 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 chance to increase games overall, the, the cost of games overall, might slip through the slip through the cracks here if they really just like do this in bad faith and don't yeah. present a product yeah. worthy of that money. Especially these games, yeah, like y'all said, that are so monetized, that are so. You know, it, it, there's so many more things you have to buy that to to jack this one up to seventy dollars feels like oh, y'all had to start with this one. I don't know. 
Yeah, get, get me, put them because... on a subscription or something. Like, I, I think people would be down for that. Like, they're just gonna spend that money anyway if they don't have to think about it, and they're getting constant updates and things to a game as a service all the time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Th- that whole model seems like it needs a change. The way yeah. those games are yeah. made seems like it needs a change. It's, yeah. it's like the whole thing needs to be restructured. I feel. I think they're mm-hmm. not changing the model, and they're willing to try it with this game because, like you said, Brian, sports games have an install base. Mm. People yeah. are gonna buy it anyway. So right. I don't. I think this is like a safe one to do it with and. Price of games have been the same for a really, really, really long time. Um, and there have been execs for the longest time saying, well, games have become more expensive to make. We have to find a way to get those costs back. But I also read a, a feature for IGN a while back where I interviewed, I think it was like 60 developers in total um, from all different walks of life, AAA and indie. And the response that I got was largely like, mm. No, that's not necessarily true. Like in that, yes, games are uh, in some cases taking a longer amount of time to make and can sometimes cost more. It completely depends on the project, but it's also they tend to sell a lot more and make a lot more money back and also tend to have microtransactions, which which make absurd amounts of money. They've figured out ways. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that like this exact rhetoric of, well, games have gotten more expensive to make, but the price is exactly the same is fair. <laughs> well, also, they're not disclosing digital sales, right? Like, that's a huge gray box. We don't know how that's impacted the industry over the years, and they're going to keep that box locked up pretty tight right. as much mm-hmm. as they can, right? Yeah, I I, I mean, I do agree. They're right in, in the strict sense of games have not gone up that much because I, I'll, I'll pull out some history. I remember buying Double Dragon for the NES, and this oh. was late 80s. $50. So mm. it hasn't gone up that. So it's gone up $10 since then. That's not a lot, but double dragon didn't have microtransactions. You know, it didn't have all this other things. Like they were making their $50 and then that was it. We kind of shook hands after I bought it at KB toys and, and we went our separate ways. But yeah, like yeah. you said, Alana, they have so many more ways to, to monetize it. And yeah, the developers will argue, well, we need to do that because the costs have gotten so much higher and they have, but, but uh, I, I don't know. It, it is interesting to see that price point uh, weirdly. And also with technology too, prices don't tend to go up. They kind of go the other way a lot of the time. Yeah. Cause people get more efficient. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think game design is such a, like a creative mess that yes. efficiencies aren't necessarily possible especially because everyone's using a different engine so like and to your point about double dragon the other side of that is that they didn't have to patch double dragon they give you that game and then they never touch it again either no it had to be be done yeah consistently (laughs) updating things so like it's very complicated but like my main point is always going to be it just ain't that fucking simple (laughs) like it just there is no answer to exactly how much games should cost The, the only simple part of it is that someone decided that the perception of value to customers is I will spend $60 on this thing and $70 might be the better version. So thus I will spend $70 because therefore it is more valuable. Uh, if they did go with $70, let's just, let's just say hypothetically, they just like, boom, flip the switch. We go to the next console generations, everything, everything $70. How do you think that would be received? Cause I feel like there's like the enthusiast market, which, which I feel like I fall into, which I'll constantly put aside inconveniences to play certain things at certain times on certain platforms. I mean, it's the same for me with like willing to have a 200 gig install for one game mm-hmm. and take up that much hard drive space. Like I'm willing to put aside a lot of convenience to experience things the way I think I should. But there's also a huge market that I'm, I'm one like aside from me and I 
<laughs> I'm wondering how that would be. Would it change the way people play games? Would people wait more? Would people want shorter experience? I don't know. Or longer. I think it's, it's really hard to say. Yeah. I, I My head says that I don't think there'd be any influence at all. Like, we're obviously in a position of privilege where we can afford to buy multiple video games. And right. I, if they all go up to $70, we'll keep buying them. And I think that they know that there is a large market of people who feel yeah. that way. But then yeah. you have to account for the amount of people out there who don't have the same amount of disposable income that they can spend on multiple video games per year who maybe do have to budget differently if some is yeah. $70 versus 60 uh, which is a very real reality for a lot of people. So it's, I feel like, very hard to guess, but my gut says it would make no difference at all and they can do whatever they want. I, yeah, and it's always been a, yeah, it's always been an expensive hobby. And it's, it is difficult because I can think of so many games where I got way more than my $60 worth, where I got, you know, just a ton of gameplay out of it. But I can think of a lot of games where I didn't get 60 bucks worth. You know, and this is also just like day one prices too. like, uh, I think the, the, the inclination to have sales and cut the price, Mm -hmm. you know, is, so we're just talking about launch day prices. Like I want to play last of us too. I'm probably going to wait a few months because I know they're going to cut it and discount it a little bit. I just got Doom Eternal yesterday and I, I had the same reasoning back in, back in March. And you get a better version of it because it's been patched. (laughs) Yeah. True. And it's also that like value is so subjective in general. Like right, whenever right. someone asks me, is this game worth $60? I'm like, well, I don't know your personal taste. I don't Ex- know your income. <laughs> uh, I really exactly. don't feel like I can answer that. And that was like the thing that's come up my whole career in any kind of game reviews is like, well, why don't you just say if it's worth the cost? I can't because <laughs> I don't know you and what you think $60 amounts to. Like I'm a person who will spend $1,000 on a fucking Batman statue. But if a T-shirt is more than $10, I'm like... <laughs> For a t-shirt someone would be like is this dress worth two hundred dollars and i would be like obviously not ever no but other people will spend a thousand dollars on a dress and i would be like oh my god but they're like look at your stupid fucking batman statue like value is so subjective yeah and if you're the kind of person who yeah and if you only buy one or two games a year that's a different value proposition yeah i remember when my friend asked me on day one if, if he should buy No Man's Sky full price. And all I had done was taken off and flown off planet through the stars, which is one of the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yes. Yes. I stand by that to this day, even in vanilla No Man's Sky. And I yeah. immediately was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a uh, few months ago, he was like, should I buy Death Stranding for $60? I was like, I don't want to No Man's Sky you. I was like, I really liked it. <laughs> but we've been through this before. Yeah, value is is mad subjective is the conclusion. And I don't know, I feel like, like again, execs have been wanting to do this for a while because they want more money. But um, but $60 is not keeping Bobby Kodak from taking home millions and millions in bonuses. <laughs> they, there's things well, to take a different size a, of the pie. <laughs> that's a wealth distribution argument, <laughs> which is he's, very different. He's well, it'll trickle his, down. Yeah, his totally, damn microtransaction money across the board, old Bobby Kodak. He's doing just fine. <laughs> Oh, doing all right. All right, let's <laughs> move on and talk about Nintendo and the Switch and Joy-Cons, uh, specifically Whoa! Joy-Con Drift. It's been an issue. I've definitely seen it with multiple uh, pairs of Joy-Cons. I blame that for having kids, though. They're fucking oh, hell yeah. on Joy-Cons. But no children. <laughs> How'd you get Joy-Con spaghetti? Oh, you did. Oh, you got it with no kids. Okay. Right. I also, yes, I also no got children. it. 
Yeah, uh, I Lawrence have a, I have fixed a my, my controller for me. He was like the first person that I'd seen in lockdown is because I tweeted about Joy-Con drift, and Lawrence immediately was like, "Would you like me to fix it?" And I was <laughs> yes, like, I would. "God bless you, Lawrence. God bless yeah. you." And he like came to me on his motorbike, and we did like a exchange with our masks, and then he. Oh, that's awesome! That's so funny. It that, was I very can nice. totally see that happening too. He's oh, very yeah. enthusiastic about fixing Joy-Con. I think he really likes it. He was like, yeah. Um, he, it was, um, it was that, I want you were there, right? The to catch a predator night he hosted. Mm-hmm. He was like, one, do you want night, me to think he's what? I think he was doing it that night. He was doing you, it for me. And yeah. he's, oh, he's yeah. like, do you want your joy con fixed? And two, do you like seeing pedos get busted? I was like, he's like, these are related. <laughs> I was like, uh, yes. Yeah, and he's but, like, cool. Come over on this night. I'll fix your joy con. I think I got it from playing too much Animal Crossing. Um, however, it seems like a lot of people have it out of the box. Connor, did yours have any like causality or did it just kind of show uh, up? So I hardly play my Switch. I'm just not a Switch person. And also this was the I had the first pair of Joy-Cons I had, the, the left one just straight up died. Like not after a, a ton of use, but I'd been using it to play. Uh, it was before I got a Pro Controller. So I was like, all right, that's kind of weird. And I got it used. So then I bought the second set of Joy-Cons. And even with pretty light use, um, it just started drifting just by itself. I mean, mm. I guess the most intensive playthrough was probably Dead Cells on it, mm. which is a lot of quick twitch movement. And maybe that did something. But also, like, it was fine for the most part. And I had just been playing Stardew, which is mostly D-pad for me. Let me so, hold on. Let me interject real quick about the point of why we're bringing it up. Nintendo uh, yeah. apologized <laughs> for the Joy-Con well, drift. Prior uh, to now, they hadn't even really referenced it. Yeah, well, they, they gave a statement to Kotaku saying they were aware of it and kind of directed people to the support site. But uh, they were asked about it in an investor Q&A. Uh, President Shinturo Furukawa said, regarding the Joy-Con, we apologize for any trouble caused to our customers. And then he basically said, we can't say anything more because there's a class action suit. Right. But, and they were uh, fixing yeah. them too, right? But just for money before. Right. Uh, after the class action suit got filed, they stopped charging people and they refunded right. the people they had charged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I think uh, I also broke my controller playing Dead Cells, Connor, so I can relate. Uh, yeah, oh, Dead I don't know. Cells, if, yeah. yeah. That might have fucked up the Joy-Con, but even still, <laughs> it's like I'm playing a game I bought on your system. That shouldn't be <laughs> in and no, of itself. No, that's true. An issue. And again, I, I know Pro Controllers had the same thing. Uh, oh, yeah, not just true. the Joy-Con oh, themselves, oh, which wow. also, for the record, if you guys didn't know, it drives me fucking nuts. But the plural of Joy-Con is Joy-Con. Uh, yeah. Nintendo decided like it's Lego. not Joy-Cons. They don't it's get to choose that. Don't let Joy-Con. Don't give them that power. Also, I think it's all supposed to be lowercase. No, Amiibo, no capital A. Mm. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> right. Joy-Con. Right. If, they, if Nintendo were one person, they would be an insufferable, like, <laughs> millionaire actor it's like it's no, ass no one gives my shit. name actually <laughs> well plural of me is connor <laughs> yep yep apparently there are no connors just connor and it's there lowercase connor. c well it's like uh transformers they don't have the copyright for transformer a singular is a transformers robot oh not mm, a transformer okay. it's not a capital t transformer it is a transformers mm. robot Mm. I I do worry about the drift though because I have a Switch Lite which I use a fair amount like uh, you know playing kind of in the bed at night and I do live in fear that it's going to start drifting. It hasn't yet. I've had it like a year, but I, I'm I'm dreading that day because I know it's probably going to happen. 
Yeah, I, I think the thing for me about this story is that um, these types of things happen, right? Like you have a massive production line and it, there's a defect that you didn't catch and now it's just out there to the public. I think of Red Ring of Death as like a prime mm-hmm. example of this. But what's scary and frustrating for me is like Nintendo's actions to make sure it doesn't affect, like if they're still trying to sell Switch units that have this known problem, I think that's what's like really frustrating and really problematic. Mm -hmm. And they don't plan to fix it. And if they're in the class action lawsuit and the reason they're not talking about it is because they don't intend to fix it. They just want to keep selling this version of the Switch. They're still on the production line. They're not fixing those They want to sell through that stock. Yeah, Yeah. they're going to sell through that stock. And, And if they're still making them, that's what I would get like really mad about. Um, and I think it's easy to love Nintendo because we love a lot of their games and, um, like, especially, you know, the, the, the pinnacle Zeldas and Mario's and stuff. Like we, we all just like buy into that so hardcore because of nostalgia and things like that. But as a company, sometimes they're just really, really frustrating, like the internet stuff, but you know, particularly this case where it's like, we've known about this for a long time. People have known and you can't just ignore it and pretend it goes away. And I don't know. I don't know if like the way Microsoft handled the Red Ring of Death was perfect. I mean, they fixed my Xbox for free, but that was like after a year, actually, ha- that it had been a problem. And they'd finally said like, OK, send them in. Um, but I yeah, feel like I, they handled it better than Nintendo. But you are right. Yeah. Nintendo pulls some shit that nobody else would get away with that we let them get away with because they oh, make yeah. stuff we really love. Yeah. yeah. And what's the recourse here? Right. Like, what are we looking for? What do you guys want out of this situation do, or what, what's the best possible outcome? Because there's still just tons of switches out there with drift, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you have to kind of re-engineer them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so so do we just have to wait for the new model, for the new, like, the Switch Pro or whatever that's been rumored before they, they fix this? And what if that has issues, right? Like That, uh, that, that iterative update with the, the better processor and battery that they made, did that... Does that still have drift? Did they, did, was there confirmation of that? I don't remember, because I know lights I are getting them. I think it doesn't... It's kind of irrelevant because it's the controllers themselves. The same yes. controllers. Yeah. I didn't know the if they made a hardware change on that. Too. The guts. I don't think yeah. so. Manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they're just weighing the the numbers and being like, well, we've sold however many mm-hmm. millions so of units. They're so expensive. <laughs> like, those controllers are expensive. Oh, my God. They're $80, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's, Why? Yeah. It's, they, I, don't, I don't like Joy-Con. I can't stand using it as a controller. Like I don't play. I'm I'm probably an outlier. I don't play my Switch in handheld. I just don't do it because I can't stand the. I have actually when I was playing Mario Maker Two would sit in bed once or twice with my Switch between my knees holding my Pro controller so I could play because <laughs> I just couldn't platform with with the Joy-Con. And also, I I'm like, sorry. Haven't we figured out how to fucking make analog control sticks at this point in 2020? I, I mean, are, the Switch is they not that old. They had this problem back with the 64. Yeah, with right. The, well, the, the joysticks the like getting all floppy yeah. and you yeah. fix it. And, and, and now we're back here with the same problem. Everyone else is fine. You just get that bum controller when you're playing GoldenEye and you're just like, God dang it. It's <laughs> from just in the Mario Party doing, when you were doing the yeah. rotate yeah. thing. You just have to keep fixing it. So you give it I've, to the best uh, guy and he's still killing you. It's the worst. I've not had yeah. any controller break. My, my controllers for my other platforms break in that the rubber on the sticks wears down so much that like they start flaking off and that's the point yeah. where i'm like i should probably get a new one but i've not had them fall apart i've not had anything become unresponsive at least for this generation my playstation 4 controller and my xbox controllers 
completely fine. Um, I, and I think that I did put about a thousand hours into my Switch before I got Drift. So it's not like it was a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. A thousand hours is like fairly good. It's just when you compare it to everyone else. I mean, considering any time that we play PC games that require a controller on uh, for Funhouse, I'm also going to use my same Elite. So I like. I think I put a lot of time on that Xbox controller, and it's still doing just fine. I did go through a ton of PS2 controllers back in the day. I think I did too. Like it had a sticky. Yeah, I got like a sticky affirmative button on the the PS2, and I would just buy it like a, another third party one and play that one for a while, and then I, I don't know. I just kind of remember saying, "Well, that's just that's how it goes." But the the Joy-Con drift, especially on a Switch Lite where it's attached like that and you can't replace it. It just feels, uh, the Switch has done such a good job, I think, and been such a hit, but this is such an Achilles heel for it. It's, it is funny to look at Nintendo's history of controller shortcomings. Uh, yeah. Because the Joy-Con drift is a very, like, you know, shady corporate thing that they didn't admit guilt for the longest yeah, time until now. To, but, yeah. <laughs> but you go back 10 years ago and people were just fucking launching Wiimotes into their TVs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is not yep. a defect. It's they had the warning on that absolved them, you know, put this thing around your wristband. But it's just like whoo, people bowling and just launching these things yep. into flat okay, screens. People. It's just right. Or like I remember my, my pop pop was playing bowling and just like smash the thing into the coffee table lip <laughs> just because he was just coming all the way around and it's just like it's so funny like seeing their journey through controllers right not right. iterative at all <laughs> they really yeah, change exactly up. every single yeah. time mm-hmm. um all right let's uh go on to our last story this one's about xbox and there was a bit of commotion about uh uh, Fable and Perfect Dark. People are thinking that uh, they might be working on new uh, uh, games in those franchises. Uh, Tom Warren of, I believe he's on The Verge, found. The Verge, yeah. Yeah. So he found Twitter accounts for both of those games uh, looking like placeholders. They were locked down. And then uh, this prompted a response from Aaron Greenberg of uh, Xbox saying, oh, we just do this. You know, we just do this to lock down RP. It turns out the Perfect Dark one was made by a fan. The Fable one, though, it it does. It feels like there's heat to both of these rumors, though, because uh, Fable has been rumored for a while now that there's a, a new Fable game in the works and even Perfect Dark. So... Uh, maybe they're not officially confirming things yet, but I would not be surprised if in their, their presentation about exclusives this month that we might finally be getting another Fable game. I don't know if you saw when I put it in the script, Brian, because obviously it would have been there after you. Um, but I did add a, a thing into our script in the daily uh, that I've had four separate Microsoft employees. Oh yeah, I saw that. Fable is being made. Um, and none of them, I guess, knew that the other ones have done it. It's just people who, like, I guess, to me, are like, we know you like Fable. So, like, two of them have been, like, very jokey, uh, like a wink. But one yeah. of them was like, yeah, you'll hear about Fable soon. So, like, Fable's being made. So, so that's, <laughs> okay, good. So we can confirm, uh, yeah. I know nothing other than that people have sent me messages. And, like, probably if it was just one person, I wouldn't even say anything. Right. Like, that's not enough of a source. But, right. like the amount of them that have done it is like, well, okay. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, so I, I don't know when, I don't know by who, I don't know any details. Obviously, we've expected it to be playground for a while. I have no, nothing about any of that. Right. Only just people who work at Microsoft being like, Alana, you're going to be excited about Fable. Um, so that's a thing that's happening. I don't know that like the, the Twitter thing really holds weight otherwise, because I think it makes sense that when those two properties are being spoken about so much that Microsoft would want to own the social handles for them, even sure. if they're not making anything. So I don't yeah. know that like that's necessarily confirmation. Perfect Doc's obviously been rumored for a while too. I know absolutely nothing about it. Everyone suspected it for a while, but I know like there was rumor that maybe the coalition would be working yep. on the multiplayer mode. Yep. Um, and it's so rare. It was done by Rare. Microsoft owns Rare. I mean, it, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't imagine Rare are working on right. Perfect Dark. Uh, yeah, because they're working on like Everwild or something like that. A different game right now. Yeah, that, like. that uh, really pretty looking thing that we have no yeah. idea what it is. And obviously still constantly updating Sea of Thieves. They're so good yeah. about Sea of yeah. Thieves. Oh, yeah. Um, that game yes, is really picked game. up, P.S. It's great. Yeah. It's real good. I'm curious Very what a Fable game looks like without Peter Molyneux. I don't know if he was on all of the third one or like, do you need, do you need that auteur there to make no, like, the Fable magic? I think all Peter Molyneux was, I mean, not to discredit them, for the record, sure. Fable 1, specifically The Lost Chapter, is in my top five favorite games ever. I fucking love that game so much. Uh, two and three much less so, but like I'm, I am excited about a new Fable because the first Fable is just, I love it. Uh, I play it annually. Um, but Peter Molyneux's shtick, as ha- has been with virtually every other game he's made, is, is about like, we want to have the infinite player choice. Yeah, and so yeah, he yeah, was yeah, like yeah, very yeah. much a part of the like renowned system and you know, the, if you do something bad, it reflects in the way that you look right. type of stuff that echoed through the series. I think like the core of Fable that I think is the most important is that it's made by a British studio, honestly. To me, that's the thing that I'm like, tell me British people made this. Because otherwise- <laughs> Oh, there's an Anglophile like element here, yeah. <laughs> kind of, it's so specifically British in humor that I feel like if, I guess you, it writing team would work. That is true. But it's so no, you're British right. that yeah. I feel like if you changed it and it turns out to be an American studio, I'm gonna be like, Hmm. I'm sorry, we remade The Office and the first four seasons were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but also completely different. Yes, they were. They Very were. different things. Except that so, first like, episode like okay. where it was tried, they tried to do it 1v1 and it was Much too fucking similar. awful. It didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but obviously Lionhead got shut down after yep. Fable Legends, which I did get to play, which I, 4v1 didn't work for anyone, really. If it didn't work for Evolve, which was super fun the one time anyone played it. I don't know that it was ever going to work for <laughs> Fable Legends. Um, it seemed I, cool. I, it seemed really cool. I'm sad it didn't do well. It but. did seem like the next big thing. Dying Light tried it too, right? Mm-hmm. With the yeah, and Dying Light, it, it, they have a mode that I think actually kind of works in Dying Light because uh, it's a standalone. Right. It's less of like a game. Um, they also had Bioware was working on it. Shadow Realms, I believe it was called. Yes. That don't, I don't remember if that's the name exactly. Even if they were good, they just didn't catch just didn't work yeah content doesn't work what is it for you what what would you want to see because i think this is a more interesting question and and we could talk about perfect dark a little bit too because that last that perfect dark zero or whatever that last play it it was bad it It wasn't good yeah Yeah. uh so i I wonder if that name even holds but for you alana someone who loved the first fable game what would you want to see in in the next fable what what makes it fable for you so that humor is a really big part of it. But the thing that like is the reason that I love Fable 1 and don't give as much of a fuck about Fable 2 and 3 is the combat. Have you guys played Kingdoms of Amalur? Yeah. The combat in Kingdoms of Amalur always felt to me like what a modern Fable would feel like. Right on. Um, 
Whereas two and three, which I know a lot of people like, I love two especially uh, where Fable is concerned, and it's still there's still a lot of cool stuff. Like I really love uh, all of the real estate system in those games. Like the way they iterated on that is really cool. It's it's goofy the whole way through. The choice stuff. There's a dog. Big fan. <laughs> Can't go wrong with the dog in the later games. Um, but the combat just got really simplified in a way that they made it like more of a kids game. So what I would want, and and I I would almost be surprised if if another Fable even is what I want from Fable. I like I'm hoping, but I'd be surprised if it's the Fable that I want it to be in any case. And I feel like I'll know that based on a trailer. Is is basically just keep that same combat system for the first one, um, make it more of uh, an RPG, I guess. Like still let me have jobs. I liked all that stuff too. But it's it, like the core of it is the silly, goofy world um where very serious things are happening in your main quest um but yeah the, the combat is the thing that is the thing that i i want to stay the same and all the customized weapons behind your demon doors and all that stuff was just i, I got very into the the wizard parts of it basically <laughs> with the guild and all that stuff that kind of fell apart so yeah i would be surprised if it meets my expectations but i want it and um uh, perfect dark was also one of my favorite games my sister and i played so much Perfect Dark back in the day to the extent that it uh, we burnt a cartridge. Uh, it literally smoked, Whoa. Uh, which is the only time I'd had that with an N64 game. It was my That's sister badass. and I in Cairns, which is a really hot part of Australia, just played Perfect Dark for so long, day in, day out, that we burnt <laughs> the cartridge. So did you have and, the, uh, the drive, like the extra drive? The is it, yeah. It's not the DD drive. I think it's called the expansion pack or whatever. Expansion PAK pack. P-A-K. Yeah, 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 we had all that. And I mean, Perfect Dark was really cool because, um, especially to play like with, you know, a sibling, I guess, is, is the, the time that it came out for me. It was really cool because you can play the campaign with one of you as Joanna Dark and one of you as an enemy AI. And you will spawn in as an enemy, play through the single player campaign, co-op split screen. But that meant that like if I was playing on the harder levels, because I would have been seven and my sister's four years older than me. So she would have been 11 and playing on the really, really difficult ones that felt like I was way unequipped to do. She would then play as the enemy AI and actually help me Uh, like she was a spy. It was just very cool. I could go on a rant about how I love those games. Perfect Duck is a similar thing where they could zero it. And then, you know, I think fans probably don't care. Um, or they could make what we remember of Perfect Dark, um, which is very much fun spy garbage that I still think was kind of better than GoldenEye that just like maybe didn't take off as much, uh, that would let us relive that. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like, I don't know, because those games, both of those games could be so much of anything because, you know, the last entries in the series weren't super strong, so they, they probably don't have to, to adhere to that. And probably Fable doesn't get enough credit for, like, the morality system craze in games because that was really, like, their their stick. Like, you're talking about the upgrading the weapons, and they kind of change based on how you're playing, right? Like, in terms of, like, evil or good. And I don't know, morality systems kind of seem a little bit rote now. Like, I don't know if anybody's quite nailed it. I mean... the Bioshock probably probably got the or Mass Effect probably got the closest, right? Yeah, I was um, gonna say Bioware has for sure done it a couple yeah. of times, but like, yeah, it was cool playing Fable and being a bad guy and growing horns because you were a bad guy. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah, I I'm totally unfamiliar with it, so that take on the morality system is cool because I'm like I know I know the Dishonored morality system probably the best, which is extremely black and white. Yeah, it's like if you're a bad person, you get a bad ending. It's basically how it went. Yeah, Fable didn't work that way. Yeah, in in it, 
I think the cool thing about Fable was like you physically changed and you did this in Mass Effect 2 based on your decisions. You physically like your appearances change, your weapons change and stuff like that too. Oh yeah. Didn't yeah. Knights of the Old Republic do oh. that? Maybe. I think so. I think, again, bullshit. I think... I think it may have. I don't. I, I'm sure like other games have. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't um, know. I don't know anything but, about Perfect Dark or Fable, so I'm just like f- grappling. Kind of so good. Which should I? Would I be? Would I enjoy a Fable game if I just cold dropped into it without any of yeah. the context? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my friends right now is playing through all of the Fable games, um, mm. and I guess maybe he had it before, but he just like picked it up and did it because they're so fun and stupid that. Yeah, you I you absolutely could still play Fable and love it. Perfect Dark's a little bit harder, but I think it might be on Rare Replay, which means I think it is actually. And Perfect Dark's fucking great, man. Like yeah. playing those harder difficulties that have more objectives. You you are a spy and you have to accomplish several tasks inside of a level and you can kind of do it in any order really. But getting through it is complicated. They're, they're, they're like puzzle games in, in part two. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, still play both of them. They're fucking great. Okay, God. <laughs> play Leave me alone. No, I, I, I should. I, should uh, I, have a, I have a tremendous backlog of shameful titles I've never touched. Fable Anniversary. That Fable, just came out. Mass four, Effect, five, Half-Life. Six years ago. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, they, they re-released it. So check that out. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, we are almost done on time, but let's answer a few questions from people. Uh, This first one comes from Devout Frenzy on Twitter. Ah. Mega Mega tech companies, Google, Apple, Amazon, etc., are trying to get into gaming, but with the recent stumbles like Stadia and the Amazon game, I believe they mean Crucible, do you think these companies pull the plug or pour immense amount of money until it works financially? Hmm... Um, I think the latter, I think they all want to get into gaming. I think there's so much growth there and, uh, these companies are, you know, big piles of cash looking for the next opportunity. So I, I think they'll keep trying until they get it right. Until somebody says they can't try anymore. Yeah. Usually. But who's going to say that? Right, not the U S government. Not at yeah. all. They're not going to stop. And the reason yeah. they're not going to stop is because everything's headed in the direction of streaming. And I mean, Google's business model works so well in that you watch a game on YouTube, you would click a button and you would immediately yeah. buy and play that game. Yeah. It's too appealing. Um, yeah. And I also think like I've said this before and I always get linked to the inside gaming videos as like some kind of counterpoint. Um, Stadia works for me. So it functions uh, like it. I actually I'm super impressed by that tech, but it is so specific to, I think, where I live um, mm-hmm. that my ping is so good that I really can literally just go stadia.com, play Destiny. Immediately, I'm playing Destiny. Me too. I, I Mine is good too. Drops. Yep. Yep. It's but dope. I have Google um, Fiber. Yeah. That's why, right? It's so, yeah. it's good for a very select group yes. of people, which isn't right. good enough. But like, I feel like <laughs> I've spoken about that twice. I've been like, look, my Stadia experience is very promising in terms of where this tech is headed. And people always link me inside gaming videos that are negative about Stadia as though it means that I'm like (laughs) going against the brand. And there's no cohesion. As though we don't have our own opinions separately. All report on worldwide news. Like I'm not going to tell you that Stadia is good for everyone because it's not. And that's not okay. And also their pricing and model is absolutely absurd. I, but, yeah, um, I want it to work for me. Like I would, I would like that. Like I took down the inside gaming copy, 
back to Pennsylvania with me, but I, you know, I didn't want to buy destiny again. And I also, I'm not going to grind when I'm on vacation. So it was like, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't find the uh, use casual. Case. I found the casual. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Let me go just drop in and run that, <laughs> that night. Uh, fucking whatever again. Strike. Night the destiny. Something. Whatever oh, it is, something from Gold the, the ions, banners, and crucibles, and all of <laughs> Lance that Reddick. Stuff. Yeah, the moons of light. It's very cool. <laughs> I mean, like I did the the Google Stream beta before it was Stadia, and like I played Assassin's Creed once on my laptop, and I was like, "That's cool. That's that's really neat." I sort of um, don't think it's realistic that they can get it to work for everyone right now, uh, yeah, and that is yeah. their fuck up when it comes to marketing, and that they, I think, maybe need to be more honest about this being for a particular group of people right now. Right. Um, again, their pricing model is a problem, but I do think it works, uh, when you have the exact right circumstances, um, which I'm sure is the same for Apple and Amazon. And they are, there's just so much potential money in right. getting game streaming right. and how quickly you could get people to purchase something that I don't think they will give up. It's going to crack it. <laughs> it's yeah. only a matter of time. Well, I think it's a good thing you brought up Apple because, and we've probably talked about this before on this podcast and probably even the daily, but there's just no reason to own Stadia if you're already kind of bought into gaming. And I think the way that we've learned that like marketing and gaming works is if you can satisfy a core, like a large core audience, it will disseminate to the rest of the the kind of gaming public, I guess, uh, because they use like certain focal points to in word of mouth, like is re- very effective in games that we've learned. Um, so if you, you can win those people over, then they'll tell all their friends and they'll tell their friends, et cetera. Um, but I think the thing that Apple did is they actually have games that are exclusive to Apple Arcade, right? Like there's no reason for me to jump into to Stadia if there's, I already own all of the games, like most of the games that I would have wanted to play when they launched. So I think like their big mistake was just not having anything else to offer for, like yeah. people who care the most, yeah. which is which is wild. People who will share the most on social media, people who the, have the largest followings on social media and, and are like represent the game space, right? Like uh, it's a really cool like feature set and, and I think that's exciting in itself, but Unless that's probably Google not enough. pushes for an affiliate program where YouTube creators get a cut of the amount of click-throughs for a Stadia purchase, oh. which I could see them also doing. Yeah. But I also, with Stadia, like, have always my biggest concern about that, and it's not just Stadia, but I guess they're the ones that, uh, Amazon too, that, that concern me because all of their revenue is from advertising, is that eventually those streaming services yeah. will have pop-up ads and cutscenes, yep. so, yeah. like, ads on yeah. a ball. And I don't want games yeah. to head in that direction. I no. really fucking yeah, don't. But I can't uh... see Google being like, well, we make so much money off ads. What if we did that? The I, fact I, that I have to. I was, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I I have played Stadia fairly recently. I tried Elder Scrolls Online uh, on it. It wasn't bad, but I, I had a similar experience to Alana. Like uh, my ping was good, but yeah, I have Google Fiber. The coolest thing about the service to me is the technology and knowing like you're doing this streaming the game over the internet. Um, I, I tried Destiny Two. Didn't I, I had a little bit. I I'm not quite sold on it for destiny and a FPS like that. But I, I felt like overall it, it feels almost there and it definitely feels like that it is going to be the future, whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. I, I didn't see it though as my like daily gaming experience. I, I didn't see it at this point, at least like replacing a PC or replacing the console, but 
boy, it, it, you know, and I know we've written a lot of, uh, articles about stadia and done a lot of videos and I know y'all send them to me, but the technology is cool. And, and it, yeah. um, it, that tech it is, excites me because yeah, it's, absolutely. it's cool innovation. Um, and I, I like, I know that it's popular to hate on stadia and I got a lot of shit for telling people genuinely, actually, I had a good experience. Like people are mad at me for telling the truth about having a positive experience with stadia. <laughs> right. How dare um, you? When obviously it doesn't apply to everyone, but like, you know, as a person who really likes seeing the video game industry evolve, um, similar to what you're saying there, Brian, I'm like, this tech is fucking dope yeah. if they can figure it out. Cause it's so weird to be excited to go back to an era where I don't have to install a game. <laughs> But or I'm like, or just, buy a PC eventually. Like I can see it replacing a PC, kind of. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think people are still like clinging on to their physical copies of games. Yeah. It's the same kind of oh, jump, yeah. right? To go from That's physical right. games to digital, and then That's to do right. like this full like streaming yeah. service. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, we did it with music. I mean, <laughs> we did it with music. Yeah, we did it with I mean, music, it and it just the trade off of like, do I want to pay the monthly fee and then also buy the games on top of it? No, right. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, right. I mean, Game Pass and XCloud seems like the winning combo. So definitely, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. for that. If if yeah. if they crack that, then that would be a great way to experience games I don't have yet in places like where I'm just around. That's but such also, a winning combination. I, but yeah. also, I don't Jeez. leave my house anymore, so I have no need. To <laughs> right. Also yeah, true. Stadia does not have a good value proposition, and I think that's one of its uh, one of its problems. But the the store is kind of bare, and and you look at it, and you're like, eh, I played that. I've got that. I've got. If you're the kind of person who's going to try Stadia you're probably like a fairly serious gamer to begin with. So I, I think that's the problem they're rubbing up against. But I, I do think, yeah, it, it's going to be a future or a huge part of the future. Um, all right. We are up on time. So let's call it there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next week.